plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are locked on Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And a really, really, really big show here on Wednesday. We're going to lead off with Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs to talk about his thoughts on Niall Davis, who the Packers acquired in a trade on Tuesday for a conditional seventh-round draft pick in the 2018 draft. And then our Behind Enemy Lines segment, with Arthur Arkus from Locked On Bears and Pro Football Weekly. And before I get rolling, I want to thank you for making the Locked On Network the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Couldn't have done it without you guys. You can subscribe to this daily podcast via iTunes and the Android app. You can check out the rest of the great Locked On Network, including Locked On Bears, Locked On NFL, and Locked On Fantasy. And please check out my work over at PackerReport.com. Or if you sign up for one month, I'll buy the second one for you. Just type in the coupon code PACREPORT21. Not PACREPORT, but PACREPORT21. Talking to Ryan Tracy from Lockdown Chiefs. Um, the Packers just acquired Niall Davis from Kansas City today. What's the, what's the deal with Niall? He was a hell of a good prospect coming out in that 2013 draft. Hasn't really panned out. What's, what's the story there? Well, you know, he was drafted by a team that has Jamal Charles. And that's always a tough, tough thing. When it came down to it, what they found is that blocking's a little bit tough in the past game for him. Uh, some scheme problems that he, he had a little bit of trouble identifying what he needs to do. Just a little bit of a learning curve in this particular offense. Uh, and because of that, he allowed a couple of younger running backs uh, who are also very talented to catch up with him. So if you're a Green Bay's perspective, that, that probably doesn't sound very good because you know they, they at least run the same basic offense. They demanded their uh, running backs pass protect first and, and then catch the ball second. So that, that, that wouldn't bode well, would it? <laughs> well, that's why it's a conditional late-round pick. Sure. Uh, basic, basically, uh, if he has a pulse and gives you any playing time, you might have to give up a sixth or a seventh. So I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to warrant uh, anything major. But on the other hand, I will say this, that when he has been able to get his teeth into the offense, meaning a game that he can start in replacement of the starter uh, and get 15 carries and get his head of steam up. Uh, he had performed well from time to time. Uh, had a really nice game down in Miami a few years ago uh, where he was a steamroller. Uh, so he definitely has the potential. He's a, a great speed asset, a little bit hesitant in the backfield. So really knowing where to run and having that vision is what he needs to work on. And a change of pace, change of scenery might really help him. Um, you kind of hit on this, but what kind of, you know, obviously he's a big, fast guy. What, what kind of runner is he? Is he a physical between the tackles kind of guy? Is he an elusive kind of guy? What, what kind of guy is he? You know, he, he's a bit of both. He does best getting north south as fast as he can. Uh, he gets strung out laterally, and it's a problem for him. Uh, trying to get him to read or make more than one read 
uh, it's something that's probably going to bog him down. You want to give him a one-cut-and-go type uh, maneuver that he can get vertical and get heading, uh, like you said, big, but also very, very quick. So uh, he gives you a little bit of both. He can play inside the tackles uh, with some power, and if he can get out on the edge of the second level, uh, he could surprise you and be gone. Okay. Was he ever a problem there? You know, obviously he was probably drafted to be the guy eventually, then to follow the number four in the depth chart. I know some guys might grumble about that. Any of those issues down there? You know, I'm sure there's some internal, but he's never done anything uh, that we've heard about. Uh, no discipline problems, uh, nothing, especially in the last season or two where he has started to fall off farther down the depth chart. Uh, no complaining to the media, no kind of headache uh, in, in the public forum at all. All right, Ryan, that's all I got for you. I'll let you go about your busy day. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining Lockdown Packers. It's going to be a beautiful night for football on Thursday, and you can't beat the atmosphere for Packers, Bears at Lambeau Field. How do you go to the game? Go to SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being at Lambeau Field for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this game or any other game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that rebate, first, download the SeatGeek app, then go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, then enter my promo code L. O Packers. That's L for locked, O for on, Packers. L-O Packers. Then SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O Packers today. And with that, we move into our Behind Enemy Lines segment with Arthur Arkish from Pro Football Weekly and Locked On Bears. Hello, Arthur. Well, how are you doing today? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing well, thank you. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes, and uh, we'll just go ahead and, and launch right in. Uh, you know, I have very vivid memories of the Bears going into Lambeau on Thanksgiving last year. Bears fans must have thought it was a, a Thanksgiving miracle huh. to see the Packers' offense uh, out of sorts to that extent. And, and here we are, what, almost a year later, 11-plus months later, and uh, things don't seem to be any different. What exactly is going on there with Aaron Rodgers and that offense, and uh, does it get solved Thursday with the Bears, uh, the shorthanded Bears coming to town? I don't know what's wrong. You know, everybody, and I mean everybody, has an opinion on what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers. I know Brett Favre on his serious program had some opinions on it and said Rodgers would be fine. But, I mean, it was, and this was the way it was posed to Rodgers at his locker yet on, on Tuesday. It's, it's like a cottage industry. I mean, Bleacher Report, you know, uh, Sports Illustrated, I mean, you name it. They've got theories on what's wrong with Rodgers. Rodgers keeps saying that they're close to getting it figured out. I'm not so sure. I mean, you, you're right. This, we're on a calendar year of, it's not, it's not an Aaron Rodgers thing, but I will just call it, you know, Aaron Rodgers' stats stink. The passing game stinks. The offense struggles to score, you know, 
more than 20, 24 points in a game. It's been going on for so long, I'm just inclined to say they're not going to get it fixed. It is what it is, and for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers is no longer a great quarterback. This offense is no longer a great offense, and that you know what? They're going to sputter along all year. They'll, they'll show flashes to make you think that they're close, and then it'll be like the Cowboys game where you know, Rodgers has wide open Randall Cobb for a touchdown and air mails it over his head. I, I just think this is what it is. And I don't know why. I don't think, and if the coaches know why, they're not telling us. Wow, that is stunning to hear. Uh, and it's obviously equally stunning to see on a weekly basis, Bill. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is what, 33 years old? Um, Maybe two, but yeah, low, low 30s. I mean, he's not, he's not at the end of his career physically, for sure. Right, he should be, you would think, in the prime of his career. So, you know, if the coaching staff have as few answers as we do as to what's going on, um, and I know Mike McCarthy is known, considered, I believe, to be one of the best in the business, but uh, I don't understand how you can have a two-time MVP and not have any answers and have this go on forever. Well, uh, uh, you if the Packers' offense stumbles for an entire season... Uh, will there be people wondering if Mike McCarthy should take a fall for it? I, I, I might be reaching. But no, I don't think so at all. Um, first, I think they have answers. But as you know, you've been around this business for forever. doesn't mean they have to tell us what those answers are. <laughs> so I, I, I always try to tell it the fans, just because they're not forthcoming in a press conference doesn't mean they don't have the answers. Um, sure. But you're right. I think if this continues, and let's just say the Packers go 9-7 and seven, or they go 10-6 and six and, and they're one and done in the playoffs, I think you seriously have to consider making a move because, like Lucky, and as you know and as everybody knows, if you're running a team, you can either fire the coach or you fire the players. Yep. Well, you're not going to fire the quarterback who's making $18 million a year. You've got to get that fixed. You absolutely have to get Aaron Rodgers fixed. And if so, if we're talking about the same thing on January whatever and the season's over, yeah, I think you, I think you really do have to make some moves because clearly... Again, if we're talking about the same thing, what what they're doing now isn't working, and it's time. It'll be at that point. It'll be time to get a fresh voice in his ear for fundamentals, which I think have gone haywire, and a, and a fresh scheme and just some fresh voices. Because eleven years is a long time, and I realize that rosters are young, and you know they're they're always young. But if we're talking about the same thing, I think it's time to move on. Wow. Um, let's let's talk for a minute about maybe some fresh bodies. What do you think um, the trade for Niall Davis can do? Uh, I'm seeing reports that Eddie Lacy could be out a couple weeks. Right. I don't know what you may be able to add to that. Uh, and then what Niall Davis's insertion into the offense may do. And then uh, tell the listeners a little bit about Ty Montgomery, too, because I have a feeling that's a name that they may be familiar with by the end of the night Thursday. Yeah, um, I know Ian Rappaport had the uh, report last night that Lacy might miss a couple weeks. After he, I mean, he played through an ankle injury against the Cowboys on Sunday, so clearly, clearly that didn't go well. So in, in their backup, James Starks had knee surgery on Sunday, so that left them with uh, Don Jackson on the practice squad as the only running back on the roster. So they traded for Niall Davis, mm-hmm. who is a heck of a talented guy. I mean, I go back to that 2013 combine; he's the biggest, fastest, strongest running back in that draft, and you know probably one of the Five biggest, fastest, strongest running backs in, in any draft. He ran 4 3 7, 31 reps on the bench. He had a good second year at the Chiefs behind Jamal Charles, and then you know, he carried the ball 28 times last year and once this year for minus two yards. So the Chiefs didn't need him, the Packers needed him, so they sent him a seventh round conditional pick for uh, the 2018 draft. 
I mean, to get a guy ready on, on, a, on a week's notice is hard work. To get him ready for a Thursday game is got to be borderline impossible. But, I mean, that's that's where they're at with, without Lacey and without Starks. I mean, the, the kids are going to have to play ready or not. I mean, I can, just see, I can just see him coming out of the huddle and Aaron Rodgers having to pull them aside every play and say, this, this is what you're doing. <laughs> and, and, and run the play. It's going to be, it'll be something. Um, and the other option is Ty Montgomery, a wide receiver from Stanford, who I remember talking to scouts before that draft, the, uh, the 15 draft. Talking to a couple scouts who thought he might be a better running back prospect than a receiver prospect. Well, that's what he is now. He's been playing running back for about a month. Nobody was allowed to say it, you know, top secret practice stuff. Yeah. But he he carried three times for six yards, big deal against Dallas. But he, he did catch 10 passes for 98. A lot of that stuff was out of the backfield. And what a lot of defenses have done here of late against the Packers is, is they've rushed four or rushed three and dropped seven or eight and made Green Bay's receivers try to beat them. And the Packers haven't had any success getting those guys open. So that just leaves Rodgers in the pocket for a month of Sundays with, with nowhere to go with the ball. So if you add Montgomery, then essentially... You know, instead of having your, your traditional three receivers, one tight end, one back formation, now you have four receivers out there. So it's another speed element, and, and he really caused the Cowboys some fits. Now, obviously, the Bears have a week to have scouted this, or at least a few days to have scouted this for some answers. But he's he's an athletic guy. He's a powerful guy. Um, had a hell of a good game if you take away two fumbles, which is obviously hard to ignore. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, and we'll talk about the defense a little bit with Bill Huber here in a minute, but... Uh, looks like Brian Balaga returned to a limited participant in practice yesterday after suffering the back injury Sunday. Um, I haven't had a chance to really go back and watch a ton of that tape, Bill. Was, um, uh, was it Don Barclay? Was it Jason Spriggs that replaced Balaga? And how did that unit look after suffering its uh, first setback that I'm aware of? Yeah, Jason you know, From an injury standpoint, not yeah, a setback. Yeah, Jason Spriggs stepped in. Obviously, uh, Jordan Howard's teammate at Indiana. Yep. Played pretty darn well. Two series, you know, it's not like you were watching the plays and they're, oh, God, what the hell just happened? Realized that the right tackle got beat. He, he played pretty well. Um, but, yeah, Blaga's, Blaga's going to start. Blaga said he's fine other than sore. Obviously, Blaga's got a heck of a long injury history, so there's some probably some concern there. But he said he's fine. He's going to play. And the line has been great. I mean, when, when you look at a struggling quarterback, that's, I mean, that's usually where you start, right? Is, is the O-line having problems? The O-line's been great. So, you know, the passing game issues had nothing to do with that group. They've been... If you like pro football focus, they're, I think they're, they're the number one O-line in, in, in that scouting uh, service. Okay, so anyone that wants to use the latest apology for Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he doesn't have his buddy Josh Sitton. It sounds like that's not going to fly. Unfortunately for the Bears, it looks like they will not have Josh Sitton uh, Thursday night. That's unfortunate for everyone. It would have been fun to see uh, what his return to Lambeau looked like, but uh, he's dealing with an ankle injury and seems like a, a long shot to go, according to the Chicago Tribune. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Bill Huber, um, what do you make of the, well, before I get into the secondary, let's just spend a minute uh, talking about the impenetrable run defense that finally, uh, I don't even want to say it got exposed, Ezekiel Elliott, the, the NFL rushing leader right now by a wide margin, but uh, what did the Cowboys do to have so much success? Was that just a dominant O-line and a, and a hot rookie running back, or uh, were there bigger concerns that you saw potentially uh, emerging from that loss Sunday? No, I think they're okay, I, and I think it is the an old line with all those first-round picks and, and a, one of the best running backs that we've seen in a, in a long, I mean, other than Adrian Peterson, obviously, in, in a long, long time. That, that group's going to demolish everybody, I, I'm thinking. You know, as stupid as this is going to say, I didn't think the run defense is actually that bad. If you take it on a play-to-play basis, mm-hmm. I think they did okay keeping 
Elliott under wraps, you know, they just, you know, Elliott had a couple big runs, and look, they all come. I'm not downplaying it. He had a couple big runs. They had an end around to Lucky Whitehead that gained about 30. But if you take it on a play-to-play basis, I mean, it wasn't like Dallas had second and five the whole game and third and one the whole game. I think Green Bay, you know, there's was, was a lot of second and sevens and third and threes and fours. So I, I think Green Bay was probably okay. So I, I don't think there's any, any, any large concern. But it was unbelievable. After four games, they had a lot of 171 yards. That was the second fewest in NFL history at that stage of the year. And that, at that point, their 1.99 yards per carry was the best in 60 years and in a yard better than anybody else. It was just how dominant that group was. I don't, I don't think they'll have any trouble bouncing back. They're, you know, they, they've got a pretty good formula where either D-line's pretty good with Latroy Guy and Mike Daniels leading the way, but their outside linebackers are so big. I mean, they, they basically have D-ends. They had Dayton Jones is about 285 pounds, and Peppers is 285, and um, Nick Perry's 270. They have such power at outside linebacker. I mean, like Pernell McPhee for you guys. It's such power there where if, if, if they're matched up on a tight end, it's a, it's a total mismatch, and they're pushing the, all the running games inside and, and letting the, the, the inside linebackers clean up. So I, I think it's a pretty good formula there, and I, I think that'll hold up. You know, Bill, Bears fans aren't happy about some of their former first-round picks, whether it's Kyle Fuller or uh, you could go even further back. And I know it's a rare exception, but when you see someone like Nick Perry and, and what he's doing now and – uh, maybe Dayton Jones, too, a guy that uh, Packers fans, I'm sure, were close to writing off these two. Uh, pretty neat to see the way they've kind of uh, revived things. And uh, I'd have to imagine Nick Perry working on a one-year deal, setting himself up for a huge payday if he can sustain this for another uh, nine or ten weeks. Yeah, Perry's always been a heck of a good player. It's just been the injuries that have always got him. You know, the uh, NFL uh, stats site, the NFL GSIS, that you probably know of, they have something called net yards over average and ways of players impact when he's on the field versus when he's off the field. And in uh, 2014, 2015, he was number two among front seven players in, in rushing defense. So he's a, wow. I mean, a real impact player there. So this is what he's doing in that phase of the game is no surprise. It's the pass rush where he ended this year with a career high, I think four sacks, and he's already surpassed that. You're right. He's, he's going to make a boatload of money, so it's, assuming he stays healthy. And that's been the difference for him is th- this offseason – the first time he ever went through the offseason program. So he's really, he really got to build on what he did last year where he had, I think he had two and a half sacks against the Redskins in the playoffs and a sack strip against the Cardinals in the playoffs. He's really built on that just because he's got to go through the offseason stuff. He said he's having a great start and he is, you know, I hate to say this about Clay Matthews, but Nick, Nick Perry's their best outside linebacker right now. Uh, spending just a couple more minutes with Bill Huber, and i got to get into the secondary a little bit, and then I'm going to ask you for a pick, although it's a weird week, and if you don't have one yet, I won't fault you. But, uh, Bill, what do you make of Sam Barrington's trip to IR? Did that surprise the folks locally there? It's a, a scary story, obviously, and uh, we wish him the best uh, as quickly as possible. But what do you think? Uh, I mean, I know, the, I know the secondary's been dealing without him, obviously, for uh, pretty much the whole year now. Uh, but what's going on with those corners now with Randall and Rollins also down, and what do you expect come Thursday? This should be a great game, right? Green Bay's top three corners and Chicago's top three corners probably out. Boy, that'll, <laughs> that'll be awesome football there. Yeah, Sam Shields uh, with a concussion. Um, he had a concussion late last year against Dallas. They kept him up for four games. He returned for, for one playoff game, and he played. then he got another concussion in the opener this year. So he's missed five games this year. He's on IR now, so he'll miss another, what, eight? 
So he could possibly return to the field against the Bears and what is it December eighteenth? Whatever whatever the day that game is, he could potentially come back for that game. I think it's it's a good move by the Packers, just from a, a personal standpoint, where look, forget about playing Sam, just get ready. It's this is no longer a week to week issue. You know, well in two months we we'll hope you'll be fine, we'll and we'll welcome you back at that point, but just get yourself right. So I, I think from a personal standpoint, this is a, it's a good Good move just to kind of get this on the back burner. But, I mean, he's their one experienced guy. He came into this year, entered, he came into this year since since 2010. He was number two in the league in interceptions behind uh, Richard Sherman. So he's a hell of a good player. And the, and the defense has paid the price without him. Demarius Randall, their first round pick last year, he's got a groin injury. Uh, Re injured that against Dallas. I mean, he's, he's not going to play. Uh, Quentin Rollins injured his groin at the Saturday practice. And McCarthy already ruled him out on Sunday for this game. So there's Green Bay's top three corners gone, just like Chicago probably. So it's going to be Ladarius Gunter, who got torched by the Cowboys, but was playing pretty well before that. Kind of a big physical guy, uh, doesn't run well at all. Uh, Dimitri Goodson, who was suspended for the first four games, a uh, former point guard at Gonzaga, played uh, corner at Baylor for a couple years. Basically, a special teams guy. He'll he'll probably be starting, and then uh, the slot guy will be Micah Hyde, who is generally their number three safety. So he'll be their slot. He's kind of a jack of all trades guy. Played corner at Iowa. So that's that's their uh, that's their cornerback group. And Brian Hoyer's thrown for a million yards last four games. So advantage Bears for sure. Jeez, yeah, that should be a, a, an interesting matchup for sure. I remember liking Ladarius Gunder a lot when I saw him at the Senior Bowl last year. He's an interesting guy, but uh, uh, obviously, needless to say, a paper-thin group. We'll see if Cameron Meredith and Alshon Jeffrey can't get into it a little bit Thursday night. Uh, Arthur, we just talked about on, on uh, your edition of, of this podcast about Green Bay's corners against Chicago's offense and the injuries in Green Bay secondary. It's no better on your end, though, is it? No, it's not, uh, it's not, Bill. The Bears have been without Kyle Fuller all season. Of course, he's on injured reserve after what was supposed to be a knee scope, but certainly seems like there was something more than that at this point. And um, they've been shuffling guys in and out of the lineup. Tracy Porter has been the closest thing to kind of a semblance of consistency for them. Uh, of course, it was Tracy Porter who was maybe most responsible for spurring that huge upset at Lambeau last year with four passes defense to Aaron Rodgers and a fourth quarter interception. But he is actually hurt, too, and didn't practice either as he's been fighting through a knee injury for a couple weeks. Um, the, the other guys are all former undrafted guys. They've got Bryce Callahan in year two, who they like a lot, but he is dealing with a hamstring. Uh, Jacoby Glenn, who looked good in the beginning of the season, a second-year player out of Central Florida, but uh, the bloom has come off that rose a little bit. He was uh, torched for – actually had a lot of penalty issues last week. He had some issues in coverage a couple weeks ago, so – um, Bill, I have no idea how they're going to match up against the Packers. Uh, they have to be hoping Tracy Porter uh, is going to go because they're also without their rookie, DeAndre Hall, who, who showed up in a, a, um, a cast on his ankle a couple weeks ago after a practice injury, and uh, he had shown some good things when he had been on the field, but it was way too small of a sample size. It's a good thing Roger Goodell is all about player safety, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Um, that's, uh, that's, I want to go to your offense. What happens when Jay Cutler's healthy? That's a great question. It's the one that everyone's wanted to know here, uh, the answer to here. Um, you know, Brian Hoyer, if you like just stats, it, it looks pretty good. He actually had his shakiest outing Sunday against the Jaguars. 
Um, his completion percentage went down quite a bit, and his yards per attempt was also down. But he continued to protect the football, and uh, we know that John Fox really values that. So uh, at the same time, there have started to be some pretty glaring, uh, some pretty egregious mistakes from Hoyer, even while protecting the football. He missed uh, a wide-open Alshon Jeffrey last week for what should have been a touchdown. The Bears settled for three. That had been the biggest issue with this Bears offense is, uh, struggling in the red zone, getting bogged down, and settling for field goals instead of touchdowns. So uh, a couple weeks before that, they had a chance to beat the Colts in the final minute, and Hoyer uh, just would not look down the field to Alshon Jeffrey. He was wide open past Monte Davis for another potential game-winning touchdown. Uh, just didn't see it. So um, it's tough. If Hoyer keeps putting up these big numbers, I think he's going to get a couple more weeks, and they'll keep saying Cutler's not cleared medically yet uh, with that sprained thumb ligament. Uh, but if he doesn't get things going in one of these two primetime games, and when I say get things going, I mean take some chances down the field and start converting touchdowns. I have to think that uh, after the bye, uh, which comes for week nine for the Bears, uh, they have to go back to Jay Cutler because Hoyer is just uh, uh, clearly this game manager role isn't working with all the other issues the Bears have. Well, I think he, I think he'd have some chances against a Packers secondary, which is a train rock of injuries as well. Who in the heck is, I want you to talk about the rest of your passing game, but who in the heck is Cameron Merrill, who I had never heard of until I looked at the stats and realized he had, what, 26 catches or whatever. Who the, who the heck is Cameron Meredith? He's having a great year. Yeah, he's come on uh, real strong the past couple weeks for sure. Uh, back-to-back 100-yard games. I think he had like a 9 for 130 two weeks ago and had uh, a little over 100 yards last week on close to 10 catches again, game high. Uh, 13 targets, I believe. So he's a second-year player out of Illinois State, actually played some quarterback in Bloomington, uh, but has made a successful transition uh, uh, to wide receiver. Had a few chances last year, spent some of the season on the practice squad and kind of got some looks throughout the season as the Bears were just uh, absolutely decimated with Alshon Jeffrey and all the rest of the wide receiver injuries. So uh, he's a big kid. He looks Kind of like Kevin White, actually, which is uh, pretty favorable, obviously. A really big, inviting target for a quarterback, and uh, he can move a little bit. He's still learning, uh, you know, not exactly a super nuanced route run or anything like that, but uh, has shown some explosion after the catch, and uh, frankly, he's been just huge for them as they've been without Kevin White, as Eddie Royal's been hobbled, Alshon Jeffrey's been used very inconsistently. Uh, so Meredith has come on and started to look like uh, he can be a potential building block for the future, which at this point is kind of what the Bears are playing for, is looking for those building blocks toward the future. The one thing I will say about Meredith, he's had an issue with ball security. So he is a, a big, strong, physical target. Um, but I'm sure the Packers are going to be aware he's had two lost fumbles this year. They've come at critical times. And uh, I know that's one thing that Green Bay will see, see on tape this week is an opportunity to try and get that ball out. You mentioned, you. I remember you just compared him uh, physically to Kevin White. I mean, he really fits the mold, doesn't he? I mean, he's, what, 6'3", uh, Jeffrey 6'3", uh, Miller 6'5", at tight end. I mean, he fits the mold of, of what the Bears like, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does, and that obviously goes back to when they had the Alshon and, and Brandon right. Marshall connection, even when Phil Emery was here, the former general manager. So uh, you're exactly right. Meredith uh, is listed at 6'3", 207, and... Um, uh, and he looks the part. I mean, really, for a former undrafted player, he, he really has been impressive, and uh, he, he's been kind of mature, and he's handled this role really well. So, like you said, he's up to 26 catches, 295 yards. Uh, in his first 11 games, he had like half of that production. So he's really exploded when called upon, and um, 
Uh, we get back to Brian Hoyer, though. Unlike Jay Cutler, Brian Hoyer hasn't been one of those guys that's going to uh, give his big receivers a chance to go win those 50-50 balls down the field. So, uh, like I said, that's going to lead to his demise here in short order if he doesn't start utilizing these guys the way they were uh, kind of built to be used, if you will. Interesting. Um, Jordan Howard's the guy I really liked in, in that in this year's draft. I mean, just big and fast. I mean, he's got the total package. Numbers-wise, he looks like he's done well. What, what have you seen out of that Bears run game? stud and um the bears run game really got grounded last week by jacksonville after howard had went off in back-to-back weeks and his first opportunities as the feature back uh went over 100 yards in, in his first two starts something no one had done since matt forte so uh that definitely gets bears fans excited and, and gets gets the bears excited as it should um uh, a fifth round pick out of Indiana, like you said, um, you're finding these backs now later in the draft. If you have the right eye and you know what you're looking for, uh, you can find some real talent. And uh, Jordan Howard is a, a big, big back, but he can move. He is uh, sneakily deceptive. He will gain the edge if you give him a chance in the Bears zone scheme. And uh, But what he does best is get yards after contact. He is looking to bury defenders at the end of plays. And uh, he's been really impressive, but he could not get it going last week at all, and uh, some wondered why he wasn't on the field, actually. Some in the fourth quarter with the Bears in a four-minute offense, it was Kadeem Carey and not Jordan Howard, which was pretty bizarre. And if you look at it in a vacuum, Carey had more success against that Jacksonville defense, but that's another uh, bit of an issue here is, is new play caller Dowell Loggins and his usage of both Alshon Jeffrey and Jordan Howard. Uh Howard, two weeks ago against the Colts, had 118 yards, 7.4 per carry, but that means he only got 16 rushing attempts, and people really wondered about that. So, uh, yeah, like I said, big and strong, and uh, he can move, and he looks like the power back of the future. He's someone that gets better as the game wears on, so now we'll see how much they can use him and uh, uh, see if they can wear down a really good Packers run defense. Uh, the Packers haven't missed Josh Sitton too much on the field. I know I know, we miss him in the locker room. <laughs> And you know, I, I obviously I don't I don't think he's going to play. He bailed out on our conference call for yesterday. How how is uh, Sitton doing physically, and uh, just how is he fit in down there? He's fit in wonderfully. Um, that's been the real strength of this unit over the past several weeks has been the interior of the offensive line, which is to the surprise of no one. When you have right. Josh Sitton and Kyle Long at guard, um, I think that's the best guard pairing in the NFL, and they've really uh, done wonders for Cody Whitehair inside the rookie center out of Kansas State. Um, although he never played uh, center in Kansas State, every other position along the line. So uh, Sitton has has been a really really good fit, um, but it doesn't. He got hurt on the second to last play of the game last week, hurt his ankle, and uh, a report from the Chicago Tribune said he's probably going to be out a while. So uh, that would likely elevate Ted Larson, the former Cardinal, into the starting lineup and. Uh, there were so many changes uh, along the offensive line in the preseason and throughout training camp after Veronis Grisou, the center, went down. Uh, that shifted Cody Whitehair and shifted Ted Larson, so there were a lot of moving parts. Um, but once they got situated, that unit had been really, really good, and uh, I suspect they're going to miss sitting quite a bit, actually, because not only this short week and trying to adjust to throwing Ted Larson into the lineup, but uh, obviously just losing a player of Sitton's caliber. Uh, we hadn't really seen the drop-off in play. Maybe he's not the dominant, you know, 1A, 1B best guard in football like he was maybe three, four years ago. Um, but, boy, was he an upgrade here. And that, that had been a move that was working out really well prior to the injury. How's, uh, how's the Bears' run defense doing? I, I, I don't know if the Packers are going to bother running the ball. But if they right, do, right. If they do, what are they going to run into? Yeah, it's been really solid, actually. They got uh, – 
you know, the, the big offseason upgrade was an inside linebacker right. with Jarrell Freeman and Danny Trevathan. Um, I think it's probably the most improved position group in the NFL, uh, but that says as much about Shea McClellan and Christian Jones <laughs> and the other uh, uh, members of the, the clown car that they were <laughs> riding out there last year as it does about uh, the improvement of Freeman and Trevathan. But, uh, you know, they've surprisingly not missed uh, Eddie Goldman as much as I thought. Goldman suffered an ankle injury about three, four weeks ago, and uh, he's probably going to miss a couple more weeks, and he's a guy with Pro Bowl upside, a really, really good player, the second rounder out of Florida State last year, but uh, they've been good. I have to say this defense overall has been good. It was a shame that um, that the offense just couldn't get a couple touchdowns last week against the Jaguars, and frankly, you could say that two weeks in a row now because they should have beat the Colts too, or at least they think they should have. Um, but yeah, with Trevathan and Freeman there in the middle, Akeem Hicks, a nice new addition at defensive end, uh, Mitch Unrein on the other side, it's a, it's a pretty stout group. And like you said, I, I would imagine, um, given all the issues in the secondary where the Bears are so unproven, um, I, I would have to think that that's going to be McCarthy and Rodgers' formula uh, to try and expose that group a little bit more than the run defense, even though it still is shorthanded. Yeah, Green Bay spoken very favorably of, of Chicago's front seven. Is, is Pernell McPhee healthy for one? And just how good of a pass rusher is Willie Young? Yeah, uh, good question. That's an important question this week, Bill. Uh, Pernell McPhee was activated off the pup list last Friday and returned to practice and uh, spoke in the locker room on Tuesday. And uh, uh, it's kind of hard to get a read on Pernell McPhee. Sometimes he doesn't mince words at all, but sometimes you just can't really understand what he's saying. Uh, (laughs) He made it sound like he's going to play, but uh, John Fox will certainly be as coy as ever uh, whether he's going to be able to come back. So uh, McPhee was was awesome for them in the first six, seven weeks last year. And then the knee injury uh, crept up and and he really kind of disappeared. And even the Bears will acknowledge that he wasn't close to the same player in the second half. Uh, It does make you wonder why they didn't just shut him down and maybe wouldn't have uh, been dealing with this if he wouldn't had his offseason surgery sooner. Another one that was called the scope, uh, but that happened early in the offseason and then he's still sitting on Pup until last week. So you be the judge. Um, I, I wouldn't expect McPhee to be at 100%, but I do have a feeling, knowing the competitor that he is, uh, he is going to try and give it a shot and be out there. And that, if nothing else, gives the Bears a big emotional lift because he is their leader, uh, kind of their fiery defensive captain. Uh, uh, so I know they'll be anxious to get him back. And, and Willie Young has been impressive. The first contract extension of the Ryan Pace regime, and uh, he, he's been coming on really strong in the past two weeks, had three sacks last week, one the week before. Um, and he's just a good player, long and, and athletic, and um, uh, has really overcome a lot, whether it's a transition from defensive end to outside linebacker, which he did two years ago, uh, or excuse me, which he did last year, or, or coming off an Achilles injury, which he did two years ago. So uh, a really good player. They move him around a little bit, although I imagine he's going to have a lot of opportunities to rush against Brian Belaga. That's dependent uh, on Leonard Floyd coming back, of course, the first-round pick, number nine overall, who has missed the past couple games with a calf injury. So uh, they need him. The pass rush has been inconsistent and, uh, frankly, invisible outside of Willie Young. And uh, Although I know Aaron Rodgers is going to be moving like crazy, regardless of whether there's pressure in the pocket, uh, yeah. certainly the Bears need Floyd and McPhee back to get a lift for that defense. All right, Arthur, I'll put you on the spot here. The Bears are 1-5. They played, they've, been in, they've been in games. So do they have a chance to beat the Packers on Thursday night, do you think? Uh, I don't think so. No, I'm also going with the Packers. I, I, I'm calling it 28 to 17. I just, I don't see a quarterback that, and we've talked about it. I just don't see someone who's willing to take the chances that I think are going to be out there, or to kind of capitalize on the opportunities uh, that I think the Packers' defense is going to allow. And 
Um, I just have a weird feeling. It seemed like a couple weeks ago, coming off the bye, uh, the Packers offense was angry and uh, just poured it on the Detroit Lions in the first half. And I don't know, I wouldn't be stunned to see that again, even though none, neither of us can seemingly figure out what's going on with the Packers offense. Uh, I think the Bears could create a, a good remedy for them. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Packers 28, Bears 17, and, and the Bears nose dive continues. Very good. This is Arthur Arkish from Lockdown Bears and, of course, Pro Football Weekly. Thank you very much for your time, and I will see you at Lambeau Field for a, it should be a riveting, riveting Thursday night football game. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, Phil. We will see you Thursday, and uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.